Oh, there we go. All right, hey, 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 welcome back, everybody, uh, to another episode. I think we're on episode 85 tonight. Um, got someone uh, in the studio tonight, a little live episode for you. We got an old, uh, you know, I got to turn that off there. Um, we got Benny. We're going to call him Benny tonight, right? We got Benny. Uh, I met Benny. Shit, when I meet you, Benny, like uh, 2016 ish? 17. Well, yeah. I was still I was still on the, the Rushmore, um, and, and you was working there. Not working on the Rushmore, but you you was you was doing your thing. Uh, well, Benny Benny been around the block a little bit, right? Uh, Benny's been doing a lot of stuff uh, with the Navy. You know, he's retired. Um, I'm just gonna kind of kick it over to him so he can start telling his story. So, you know, Benny, take us uh, uh, through some of your history and stuff, and what kind of brought you here uh, today. Well, not just here, but you know how you got to where you're at today, and then I'll just start jumping in with random ass questions, bro. Cool. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Jess. Thanks yeah. for having me here. We've been. Uh running into each other saying we were going to do this for a while. Uh, yeah. Big fan of it, you know, of the podcast. I like the name, the Bravo Zulu. And um, so me, a little about me, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, uh, West Englewood, and uh, joined the Navy at 18 because uh, the Marine recruiter was uh, just not, he just didn't represent it to me the, the right way, and I'm glad I made the choice. I'm glad yeah. I joined the Navy to be a corpsman. I thought I was going to be working in a, a war, you know, working good stuff. And next, you know, they're like, we're in corpsman school. And they're like, you guys are going to FMF. And I was like, I'd have joined the Marine Corps if I wanted to be out throwing dirt on my butt. Right. So <laughs> I uh, I said, what do we do? You know, what do we do? And then, you know, they had the disgruntled crew over at Balboa. That's when corpsman school was here in 88. So, yeah, I joined in 88, July of 88. Went to Great Lakes an hour from home. Uh, so all the weird premonitions, you know, the CCs back then be yelling at you, calling you Rick. And back then, uh, they throw coffee cups at you. I think my chief had a a box of a hundred cups because he broke like three during our boot camp. So eighty eight, that's a long time ago, bro. I was born in eighty six. You've been fucking with the Navy a long time. Yeah, most likely. So, so like even oh, I guess I guess because back then it was still kind of geographical where you went to boot camp, right? Because they still had the three. Yeah, it was like lakes. Yeah, we had Orlando, which was the co-ed. And uh, we had San Diego. San Diego was a little more the traditional old school, you know, different because, you know, you're right by the fleet. Yeah. Great Lakes, we were training command, so we were like in the middle of nowhere. Nice. And I heard Orlando was fun, from what I understand. You had co-ed. So, yeah, 88 was a different Navy. I joined the Navy. uh, I always say that in my time from 88 to 2010, I wore five different uniforms. Because when we first started, we had the old school Dunga Jams, mm-hmm. and your name was on the left hand over your heart. And then in 90, when they started changing the Navy up, we went to the right. You went to the last name yeah. on your, around the Dunga Jams, and then you'd put your Eastwas over here. And then I got out in 97, and that's when we they, when I was out, came back in, they went to the utilities, you know, the... The right, the, that, that, that's yeah, that's when I came in, yeah, sewn on patch. Because yeah. you, you talking about name like you had the the OG like actual stencil, stencil. Yeah, like not the shit we was doing in boot camp nah. when I came in two thousand four with like the little stencil. Nah, you had like the big one inch letter. Yeah, but my, letter. my name stenciled on here. Yeah. Once that bitch washes off, I gotta re stencil my shit. Yeah, back when uh, if you had a uh, if you went to captain's mass, you were third class. You got busted Ooh. until you can get money, or if they didn't have any in ship store, you could draw a void around it. So you would write, draw a circle around it and a void line through it. So you'd see people walk around the ship on restriction or after restriction if yeah. they had money with a void. Or 
for working uniforms, if somebody got out and left their uniforms, you can just cross out their name and then put your, write yours over. And th- and th- and that was like an acceptable, uniform. like, oh, hey, you, you one-lined it. It's good to Command go. Command organization. Yeah. As long as you didn't leave the pier. But people still did. But So we'll get to that. So I um, joined the Navy, came here to San Diego. First, they were supposed to send me to Corman School in Great Lakes. I was like, ooh, I'm going to get to stay home and, you know, still go home on the weekends. Like I used to see other buddies that had joined the Navy prior and they were in core school or any kind of machinist made, gunners made school in Great Lakes. And they'd be home on the weekends in their little uniform, little money in their pocket, you know. And then they were like, you know, war is Naval School of Health Science, San Diego. Where the heck is San Diego? I didn't know what San Diego was. Only thing I ever heard of San Diego was on this I'm date myself. Eight is enough for the old show. And the little boy had ran away from the home in Sacramento and came to Mission Beach. That's all I knew about San Diego. I knew nothing. So I said, okay, let's do it. You know, came San Diego, got here, and I was blown away. San Diego back then was still a small town. Mm -hmm. All Where we're at right now used to be, I'll get to that later, but it was like rabbit fields. Yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing here until like 99, 98. Uh, we used to come out here. I'll, I'll get to that. Let me not fast forward. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I joined the Navy. Didn't like Corman School because of the fact that they were going to send me to the Marines. Us, this is a, a caveat. I always think that all these wars are pre-planned because one day they walked in and they said, "This class and the next three classes are all going to FMF." That was eighty-eight. They knew Desert Storm was coming. Yeah. So I think well, that, Desert Storm was like 91? ninety-one. 90? Desert 90, okay. Shield was uh, 90, September of 90. We okay. kicked off. All yeah. the ships left. And uh, Desert Storm started when we started bombing. Okay. And I was in Thailand. Honestly, so not FMF yet, or you were FMF? No, no, no. But... I, was, I, didn't, I didn't finish Corman school. I took the IBM program, what we used to call back then, instant bosomate. <laughs> so I came back from uh, I came back That's from, funny. Uh, I came back from service, um, ward week, and... I already kind of was disgruntled and not too happy. I lost my OR tech school because it was going to be after my two years FMF commitment. And uh, I had to change a catheter on a senior citizen, female. And for an 18-year-old kid, that was just too much. They were like, oh, yeah, you've been doing this all the time. You know, I was like, they don't look like this where I see you know, it looked like a, you had only seen a few, but they didn't look like that. It looked like a veal cutlet had been run over by the old by a golf. Yeah, cleat. and I felt bad. I was just like, I can't do this. And then, uh, so I went down and I talked to the chaplain, and he was like, nothing. And, you know, they were like, hey, you got a good average. What you trying to do? So, no, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. So, I remember my uh, class adjutant pulled me to the side. He was an HM two fleet guy, and he was like, man, you gonna go to the fleet, man? You, you make a good got a good attitude you make a good bosom mate you can strike out there and you might want to come back later once you get a different feel of what the fleet is like all right so i like what do i have to do he's like fail this next test my average was still too good fail another test so i had to fail three tests Damn. and then they sent me back to another class to teach me a lesson so then i had to fail out there i didn't want to get in trouble and risk getting sent home because right i was like okay so i'm just gonna keep charlie and out on these exams I did that finally, and I was there for like a month on hold, living with all the degenerates, some all the pot smokers, the guys that were waiting to go. Um, back when we used to go from Balboa to uh, downtown to Horton Plaza when it was jumping, mm-hmm. and we'd walk all the way there. 
and you know get you some Mad Dog 2020 and walk <laughs> on the way back and then wake up the next morning you didn't know where you were. And uh, but it was San Diego was a different place back then. You know, it did. It was a lot more to me. It was a lot more humble and beautiful. Mm -hmm. There was never any traffic. The only traffic you would ever see was leaving downtown on the 94 up until you got to the 15 connect. And, and then everyone no, went their separate way. The, yeah. the 15 used to go over 40th street. So, you know, that whole Vida, that undercut is new. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it used to take you 15 minutes to get to work from North park, 15 minutes from Chula Vista. There was hardly ever any traffic. So anyway, so yeah, I did that. Did the IBM program, went to the fleet. I get to my first ship and uh, I'm like thinking, you know, all the guys there that are return fleeters are like, no, get you a destroyer, get you a cruiser or get you a battleship. The battleships, see the battleships that just came back. Yeah. They just activated. Yeah. Them. And, uh, I think it was a uh, Missouri, the Missouri, the Jersey, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin and yep. the Iowa. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, I'm orders to the USS Duluth. It's an LPD. I was like, what the heck is that? And the, the D, you know, the, the clap, the PN laughs. He's like, PN was P, uh, now our PSs. And he goes, ha ah, he goes, you going to an AFib. You have more Marines on there than sailors. Good luck. So I, you know, went home, Chicago on leave for a little bit, kicked it, you know, trying to explain to my family, went to the mall every day, you know, with my little Navy hat, my pea coat, because it was wintertime in Chicago. So, so in civvies or in like blues, like still, okay, 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 okay. I wasn't that like, all right, okay. Yeah, I was kicking in my Jordans yeah. and stuff, you know, back then with Jordans on the first run. Uh, <laughs> so, OG shit, real OG, OG shit, shit. Real OG shit. And they were 79 bucks. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm hanging out. I come back, go back to the fleet. I report uh, Christmas Eve, 1988, to the USS Duluth. I didn't have time to get my blues out, so I had on my civvies. I walk on the quarter deck, and okay, so the the, sh the shuttle drops me off. There were no, there there was no command sponsor. There was no no sponsorship sh program. Just even though every ship had a um, MWR van, yeah, which would be all pimped out, like ours was pimped out. It was blue. It had a big gator on the side, which the CO wound up wanted it painted over because you kept seeing it in the hood. <laughs> or Stood DUIs. out a little too much. <laughs> So it had stereo in it. It was Gita. It was nice. It had rims on it and everything. And so I, I walk on the ship, and my the there's this old school brother on the quarter deck, and he goes, "Who the fuck is you?" And I said, "Oh, I'm Seaman Recruit Warriors reporting for duty." He goes, "You knew?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "What are you doing in your civvies? Where's your blues?" I said, "They're in my sea bag." He goes, "Well." You better go find somewhere in the parking lot. This was back when we were on Pier, which doesn't exist anymore, Pier 11. Uh, it was a skinny little pier, about the size of this table. And uh, cars had to back in. Any vehicles had to back all the way in. Because no room to turn yeah. around. And so I'm like, man, where am I going to go? So I go out in the parking lot. And he said, you got to midnight to report in or you UA. So I had like 20 minutes. Ran down there, got between two cars. Back then, all that down by the amphipiers, there yeah. was no basketball courts. There was no foot. It was all gravel and dirt. You're talking about like where Pier 5 is now, no, where that basketball no, court is? 11, 12, and 13. Okay, okay, yeah. Down way, way, way in, the, way in the back. Okay. Excuse me. So I'm like, okay. So I changed into my blues, get up there, and he's like, all right, now you're ready to check in. He goes, I'm BM1 Smith. Oh, shit. Later, I find out old BM1 Smith had been a, a Marine in Vietnam. Oh, shit. So I joined when there was still Vietnam-era guys hanging yeah. out. You would see 
old school chiefs or even first classes that would be wearing the Vietnam campaign ribbons. And some of them dudes had some amazing stories. Um, had a BM1, uh, BM1 Eastman. This dude was about 400 pounds. Couldn't go below decks. Had it back into his rack. And his rack, back then those racks were different. They were the ones that trice up. So his had actually been adjusted so he could fit in it. But once he was in it, he was in it. He couldn't roll over. He couldn't do nothing. All he would do all day was just sit on a chair on a folks on a catwalk and just splice. But he had a purple heart. He'd been in riverboats in Vietnam. So he had some amazing. He didn't mind telling us. Yeah. Go get me a Coke boot. Get him a Coke. He's sitting there smoking his squares and laughing and joking. So I check on board. I get on. They take me down to the birthing. Ain't no sheets. No pillowcases. Nothing. I was like, hey, can I get, you know, where do I'm going to sleep at? They said, oh, take that top rack and take put all your stuff up there with you because you wake up in the morning, it'll be gone or rifle through. Yeah. Deck birthing, baby. <laughs> Deck birthing in the late 80s. It's Deck smelled, birthing it's, today. It's, it's smelled, <laughs> it smelled like fan, you know, the feet oh, ass and nuts. It was, just, <laughs> it was deplorable. I was just in there and I was just laying Yo, up there. Yeah, I never heard that I was fan, laying feet up ass there. and nuts. I was laying up in my top rack and I was just sitting there. And all of a sudden, remember, it's New Year's Eve. Everybody's coming in drunk. Oh, shit. And dudes are looking up and say, Who the fuck's the new guy? Who's this old Al B. Sure looking mug? <laughs> you see my old picture that had the little curly hair. But, <laughs> and uh, I, you can see my ears. You know, my, the cheeks didn't pop out so much. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm in there and I'm like, Oh, I'm such a, I don't give a fuck who you are, blah, blah, you know, yelling at me. Those guys wind up being my drinking buddies and best friends a week later. Yeah. So I get up the next morning. I miss breakfast. And I'm, you know, ain't no snack machines on the ship. It's Saturday. Ain't no Gidunk. Ain't no ship store. You know, so I'm just sitting around looking stupid. So one of the guys was like, hey, man, you know, we can walk over to McDonald's from there to McDonald's. That McDonald's was brand new. They had just built it. That McDonald's over there by Pier 6. I was like, all right, cool. Walk over there, come back and. BMW that McDonald's company. was there still? It was brand new. They just built it in oh, 87. Shit. Damn, so that thing been there. Yeah, there used to be McDonald's, a little next. You yeah. remember how the next used to look, the little next, the fleet side next, before they rebuilt it now? No, no, I'm not. Okay, no, so you yeah. haven't been here that long. Yeah, no, so just since 2000. There used to be a small little next. There used to be a little uh, packet. They used to call it the personalized services where you can get your film developed. And then they right. had a phone center, an MCC phone center. You go in, you give them your ID, and you talk, and at the end you pay. So you see, dude, you hear all kind of conversations. <laughs> Dear John, you know, Joey, stuff, Joey, Joey yeah, yeah, yeah. dude's crying. And, I'm going to come home, baby, you know. And uh, so, you know, I did that. Come back, BM1 was like, all right, you're off till Monday. Disappear. So I'm like, man, where am I going to go? So I go back to Balboa. A couple of homies are there. They're like, oh, you can just kick it here with us all weekend. So what? What the worst thing that could happen to me when I go back Monday is someone stole my wallet at the barracks. It was a brand new E1. Walked back then, you know, they didn't have those nice peer entries. I had to show my ID to the cop on, you know, the court, the guy coming through the gate after I got dropped off. He was like, I was like, I lost my ID. He goes, Well, hold on here. Let me call your ship. So he has the radio in, call the USS Duluth, tell him to send. Nobody has cell phones or beepers. Next thing you know, BM2 shows up. Old tough old dude. They, they called him Lefty. BM2 Schlotterbeck. A lot of guy from Brook, the Bronx comes. He's like, yo, man, I was in the middle of something. I got to come get you. He's a duty driver. Imagine that, an E5 duty driver back then. Comes, gets me, takes me back to the ship. 
BMC. We used to call him Hammerhead because he dug like that. And everybody wanted to hit him inside the head with a hammer. And he was missing two fingers, so he would always, you know, talk like this. And he was just the nastiest human being in the world. He was disgusting. He was grotesque. We'd be out there getting our life jackets on, and he'd drop his trousers right there, and he freeballed every day. He was just nasty. Was he dropping like, to take a piss? No, just to tuck in his, his shirt. Oh, okay, okay, like, yeah. And he'd always talk about how small his man was. He said he'd lay in his rack and tie a string to it. <laughs> Hopefully it'd stretch out. He was just... Yeah, old school stuff, you know. It's just old, Yo. old BMC Henderson. I, he's actually on my Facebook friends list. He's like, he's, he's funny. He was a funny captain. He was, he was the only deck chief, and he took advantage of that. You know, he we had three divisions, and he 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 kind of took advantage of. It. But he saved my butt once. So, I, I, so anyway, you know, check on board. They're like, oh, we're going to Westpac in eleven days. I was like, what's Westpac? But I was part of the new. You know how they always get new people right before deployment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was part of that wave. I was the last one. So I made friends with a few of the guys and kicked it for the next few days. And then let's go. 31 days later, we were in Alangapo and I didn't know what was going on. Where's Alangapo? The Philippines? Philippines, Subic yeah. Bay. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew it was happening fast. <laughs> I was just, you know, we're like in the clubs and I just, to me, it's just crazy. I'm just like, there's so much to take in. Then you got the old salts that already did a Westpac. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, man, come with me, dog. You know, get your hair cut, get your nails you know, done, and massage and everything. Go out in town and, you know, do all kind of stuff. And, dang. So I was 18. So I came back. I was still 18 from Westpac. You know, we hit Philippines like three times. Went to uh, Sydney, Australia. Went to Mackay, Australia. And we were on the battle group with the Bellawood. The USS Frederick and the Germantown. Germantown's still around. So, yeah, she was new on. back then. She was yeah. on her second deployment. And uh, man, <laughs> you talk about some crazy times. You know, every deployment you lose people. You know, some Marines got SEALs told the Marines don't go to, don't don't go to the beach because the SEALs used to deploy with us. And uh, don't go to the beach. Flipped all their boats. One of them died. And it was it was pretty. You know, to be a young kid and experience a non combat death. You like yeah. Oh man, you know the guys came back, and some of them were actually swimming into the well deck because they lost the boat. So then the sea like small, like rib boats, like small boats. No, they or? were called raiders, those rigid raiders. Yeah, okay, they're yeah, like little, yeah, yeah. Uh, Boston whalers. Yeah. So the Marines back then they used to have the raiders, and they, they got rid of that. They they do something else now. And it was just like wow. So come back, I'm 18. Don't know what's going on in San Diego. Ain't got nothing to do. No car. You can afford a car. Is it E one? Yeah. As an what was what was the pay like back then, you know? Because, like, you brought it up, like, a couple times, right? Like, I know it wasn't shit, but, like, for you, 18, you know, 88, it was, 80, it was no. still 88, 89, something like that. Like, what, what are you Chicago. looking at? I came from Chicago. I was hustling a little bit Yeah, I joined the Navy. So I, I was used to a little bit of money. After GI Bill came out, it was 175 a payday. Damn. And we used to have to go through pay line. Yeah, at so, DKs? Yeah, like A, through, a yeah. through M, N through Z. Yeah. MA would be standing on the on the at the pay line with a shotgun. Uh MAC. We had a master chief as an MA. And he had a gun. He's sitting there, DK one and DK three, paying you. You get they give you a check, you sign it over to him, they cash you out. Slush man would be standing over there on the mess decks waiting to get his money. Because all the people would be selling it, you know, twenty for thirty. You was slush man. Slush man was the guy that's the bank. You about to go out, you need some money. Yo, just, man, let me get twenty for thirty. So it's fifty percent markup. Oh. So this dude, you know, they they kept a little green book with who. Okay, they okay, to. okay. There'd be like three or four, and so, I'll tell you, a lot of guys 
got their first 240 uh, SXs, little Grand Ams back then and stuff like that, doing that because you accumulate. You get like 10 dudes you got on your player, and then you roll them over because they're like, oh, man, I can't pay you this payday. Okay, so now it's double. So now that 20 turns into 40. And you're going to pay or you're going to get knuckled up. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, man, you know, just do that hanging out. San Diego was beautiful back then, man. You take the trolley everywhere. The trolley was new. Uh, there wasn't as much homeless. There wasn't as much crime. We used to walk everywhere. We used to go from like 32nd Street, go up 8th, uh, sometimes take the bus to Euclid, and then go to Fan Bam, Fan, Fan Mart, which is uh, back in the day. I'm sure some old school cats here, they're like, oh, man, Fan Mart was the bomb. It was like the ghetto swap meet. Yeah. Get your gold, get your gear, get your hats, get your J's and all that. We go up there and hang out, and, and it was cool. You know, did my three, you know, wound up making a uh, – I was like, you know, I had a mentor. He was like, PNC was always like, hey, man, you got to do something. So he started pushing me, taking classes and doing um, different things. And, and he was like, man, I think I think you'd be good as an officer, man. So I was kind of being a golden boy, but at the same time, cool. But I didn't realize the, you know, that, that first, what's that movie, the first 72 that they yeah, got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to be the perfect candidate for that, but it was like the first 12. So I'll I never forget November 9th. I'm, I'm, you know, I had already, I had just won, because back then we had Fibia Squadron. I just won Junior Sailor of the Year. And I was riding high. I was like, man. The BM3 at this time? No, I was or, a seaman. Okay, okay. A seaman. And, because uh, back then it was nine, nine, and six. Nine months as a seaman recruit, nine months as a seaman apprentice, and then six as, to, yeah. to, as an E3 to make E4. I think it is still that. It might be. Yeah. And uh, I was like, waiting, you know, waiting my time, you know. And CO was pushing. Send you to Naps Naval Academy. So back then they had the the before the Seaman Amor they had the boost program. Mm-hmm. I passed. I had everything in. I was gonna get my everything. You know, I was like, I'm gonna go to the Naval Academy, go to Boost, do this, do that, and the other. I'm up on the flight deck and somebody says, "Hey man, grab this." So there was a piece of line with a uh, a gar- uh, laundry bag, and they put the liquor in there and bring it up. I had the mid watch, so I wasn't a drink. But it was just, okay, cool. It was a BM3. This dude's like six foot six. I ain't going to say no. As soon as I'm bringing it up, all of a sudden we had this DCC who was about 450 pounds. He was like 5'7 by 5'8. Walking down the pier with one of them 28-inch pizzas. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden all I heard was, he dropped it and said, stop, motherfucker. Yelled up at the quarterdeck security alert. Locked down the ship. I ran, went through air birthing. I was like, I've been here the whole time. They were like, okay, cool, cool. That night they're interviewing people. Lieutenant, you know, come, hey man, you were up on the flight deck. Did you see anything? No, I didn't. Little did I know one of my boys had ratted me out already. So two days. They let it stew for two days. They found the liquor, you know. And uh man, I'm painting over the side one day. All of a sudden I hear semen semen recruit. Warriors. I was a semen recruit still. I hadn't hit my nine months. Semen recruit warriors, master arms office on the double. I walk in, the CO's in there. First lieutenant, who was an old school lieutenant commander, ex-senior chief boatswain mate from Brooklyn, crazy old white dude. Chief master at arms, master chief. There's like nine dudes in an office smaller than half of this. Yeah. And they're cussing me out. Motherfucker, we trusted you. All right, going off on me and stuff. I sang like a bird. They were like, we're going to send you home. We're going to call your dad right now. And I did not want to get sent back home. because There was nothing going on in Chicago. Yeah. Dope game. Or military. That was it. And uh, I was like, all right. So 
spilled the beans. Next thing you know, man, I'm walking out. They say, called the BM3. I was at Mast two days later. No DRB. They didn't have DRBs back then. Yeah. Chiefs already, yeah, sent them up. XOI, went in XOI, XO, so like, I ain't got nothing to say. Go up. So, you know, with DRB, it went to Mast. CO was like, you're, you're fucked. You're nothing. You're going to have to really work hard to come out of this. You're never going to be an officer unless you go LDO or something. Yeah. So um, the other dude got kicked out because it was his fourth time. He was always knocking people out. Alabama State Wrestling champ. He'd knock you out in the mess sticks in the heartbeat. <laughs> laying folks out. And uh, after that, it was kind of like, I thought that like the whole crew would be like snitched. But no, everybody was cool with it. You know, because I was cool like that. You know, I hung out with some of everybody. You know, I did my restrictions. So I got 60 days reduction in rate. Uh, no, I did get yeah, half a month's pay, but no extra duty because they maxed me out. So this was November, so it went through Christmas. So I missed Christmas, Christmas uh, leave period. I didn't get to go home for leave for Christmas and New Year's Eve and all that. But you know the homies were cool. They bring me a little, little juice, bring me plates and stuff. You know, so everybody took care of me for the month. But it sucked, yeah, because I knew it. Five days, five times a day restricted muster. Last one at. In uniform, eighteen hundred, right? Like in blues, it, yep, yep. And uh, they don't do that shit no more, bro. I was just—they don't do that shit no more. I was just starting to date uh, the woman that's my wife still. We were just starting to date, and I was too embarrassed to tell her, you know, what had happened because I had met her, and I was like, "Hey, be with me. We're going to the top, baby." <laughs> you know, because you know I, she she was a little more sophisticated, a couple years on me, and she came from Tennessee, where um, you know, she worked on the base for the captain and, and, and what used to be M. And NAS Memphis, which is now uh, Buford. Yeah. So you know, I'm like, hey, she came on board to see me on her. Was she was she in the Navy as well at that time? No. She okay. Was living out here, you know, going to school, uh, living with her sister. So you know, blah blah blah. You know, all that goes. I get off restriction. Um, I get told, okay, reset clock. But mother, uh, I got told by a couple of chiefs to go to the folks where I work. You had to go by the chiefs mess. I, did, I couldn't do that. Either I had to go under and up through a scuttle, or I had to go two decks up and over. I couldn't walk by the Chiefs mess until I got myself redeemed. And I was like, Dad, these dudes are ruthless. So I bit the bullet, you know, three, four months, went through workups, busted it out. I proved myself, you know, they was like, all right, man, that was a hip, hiccup, whatever. Uh, BM3 exam was coming around the corner. And uh, I wanted to be a signalman too, so I didn't know. So PN, PNC, who's still my boy to the day, he's like seventy some years old or retired. He just retired from uh, NIS not long INS. And uh, I said, right, I'm gonna take the BM3 test. Took it, you know, back then first increment. You know, I got paid on the spot, and I was cool. I was like, man, I was like, man, I was just on restriction, you know, less than a year ago, you know. And I was one of the first seamen to get my ESWAS, so that helped. I remember going in there and getting my e-squats. That's back when it was like worth a point or two or something, right? Yeah, but you couldn't wear it until you made third. Yeah. So I had to wait. I had it, but they couldn't present it to me until. But everybody knew because they were like, congratulations, you know, SEMA Warriors, you know. Let you guys know, you can do me and my boy, Um, he was a OS, uh, St- uh, Johnny Skagg, and uh, J-Dub we used to call him. But he got, we got it together, so. We made third at the same time. We put it on. So it was like kind of, you know, walk around base back then because East Wass had just went in in the 70s. Not too many, a lot of first classes. Chiefs didn't have East Wass. Yeah. They didn't want it. I ain't getting that crap. I know my job. 
Yeah. Until it came mandatory in the late 90s or 2000. And dude was like, you know, I thought I was hot stuff, you know, BM3. What's up? We're going, and all of a sudden they say, hey, you guys are going, we used to call it Arg Bravo. If he was ready group Bravo by yourself, no other ships. So we went on deployment by ourselves. There we go. Uh, all of a sudden stuff starts kicking off. We're out there doing uh, what they call Neo Ops back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some trailers on the flight deck and there was like spooks in there. Listening to conversation off the coast of Vietnam. It's all clear now. And we're like, man, it was boring deployment. Every time you turn around, we pull into the PI. Can't save no money. Broke. Going out partying all the time. Partying. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, oh my God. So we just going out, doing all kind of stuff. And then we didn't have Australia at the time. We hit Thailand. And then we're, I remember we're in Thailand. And all of a sudden, you know, they're like, oh, look at the TV. They're bombing Iraq. Like, hey, we at war. We over here chilling. So that ends. Come back from deployment in September. We were the first ship back. Uh oh, because there was like a 13 ships coming home and they got turned around. The Tarwa and all those, they all got turned around to go to the to the Gulf. So at one point in the Philippines, there was 29 ships in port and a carrier. And at this time, Subic Bay was still open, right? Oh, it was, like it, it was, was still, a naval base. yeah, it was still a naval base. Yeah, it so was naval base, uh, Subic Bay. Yeah, so I mean that was like a jump off spot to to reload, it, it reamp, like everything. Yeah, close to 92. So, you know, I was like, man. So, you know, we had, bro, and, and, you know, like they say, you know, there was 29 ships and the bars were all full. Damn. It was like crazy and there was fights. Oh, my God. But the Midway, you know, they were they owned that Blue Ridge and the Midway because they were stationed in Japan. And the Midway ran it. They come in, man, them dudes, used, they used to have a group called the Dog Family. And I, I know a few of them that were in it. They come in in all black, dressed like public enemy. Public enemy shirts mm-hmm. with the big sombreros, you know, like some kind of floppy hat, and they come in the club like, like Muslims, <laughs> stomping folks out Damn. for sport. It, jump, jumping forward a little bit, right? Because when did you retire? Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten, right? So, let let's say I got I got in two thousand four in okay. December, right? So let's say take that six years from oh four oh five like the five years from oh five to ten. Compared to the shit that you seen back in the eighties, nineties, right? Like, oh, you want to talk about a new navy? Dis- I mean, disclaimer and, and what I say is not everything about the old navy is great, right? And not everything about the new navy is bad. I think right. the new navy, you're given more opportunities to speak your mind. Back then, it was my my way of the highway. Yeah, I remember my, that same chief uh, saying, you know, I, I, I'm gonna meet you in a boatswain locker, and I was like, you don't want to do that. And he used to tell you straight up, if, if I don't whoop your ass. I'm gonna write you up. So, <laughs> and, and and for me, it was like I ain't taking no ass with yeah. I'm gonna get written up. Yeah, and they knew who they could pull that on. Right, you, know, you got the little and I, and I was, I was like part of the crew that worked my butt off, be dirty as heck, but show up to watch looking like a freaking doll, you know, and but ready to scrap in a heartbeat. You know, we'd be knuckling it up in the berth, and you know, I'd be like, let's go, do it. You know, get crooked fingers <laughs> and. uh so, you know, it, but, yeah, it was a totally different thing um, joining the Navy back then. Um, uh, chiefs were more likely, um, they were seen, but barely ever heard. First classes ran it. Third classes ran the work crew. Second classes did all the admin stuff. Mm-hmm. First class would be in the lounge. You know, first class mess. And, you know, first classes back then, a little older and stuff, you know, waiting to make chief. 
So they, you know, you, you get some that be running around polishing shoes and oh yes, yeah. But uh, I, it, it came from a different time. Like think about it, my Boston joined in 1960. Yeah. So you know, oh so oh wait wait, wait let's go back. So we're talking about money. Like yeah, I yeah. You, I made 175 after GI Bill, and that money was going fast because you hit Horton Plaza back then, and you'd hit Mister. Uh, there used to be this uh, Mister Lee's um, uh, over there off of uh, one of this. And that's where they just saw the gear. And you'd go in and hook you up. Oh, I got your outfit ready. You know, Jordan's sweatsuit. You'd be, NTC used to have one of the jumpingest clubs in San Diego. Navy Training Center over there, which is now, you know, where yeah. it was a base. Yeah. It was the baddest club anywhere. I mean, you'd see all the best-looking girls in San Diego. And then you had the beach clubs and stuff like that. But, man, you'd be around your military people. That, you know, we hung ourselves. Yeah. We didn't want to be around the surfers and all the. Yeah. Back then, there was a lot of skinheads in San Diego. Like, oh deal with that you know yeah oh that's back when the clan t was famous yeah <laughs> you didn't let the sun set on you east of the of uh el cajon you know if you were brown get out of town because a marine got stomped out at a party years and his friends just stood there and let it happen bunch of skinheads rolled in there it was in the mid 90s anyway so yeah but you know that that's that was cool my first ship was fun i had a great time i wound up getting capped a second before i left um future looked good i was like man i'm Jamming, you know, everything's looking good. Uh, I used to see the guys come on board, the, the the special boat unit guys, which is special boat team. And uh, I was like, man, I want orders there. And uh, sure enough, boom, BM2 got orders there. Um, came back off another three deployments in three years, you know. So came off my last Westpac, I was married. I just got capped to BM2 at the Christmas party. Um, you know, life couldn't get no better, you know. Yeah. Come back. Come back off Westpac, report to SB-12, get there, throw you in a pool. All right, you can swim, you're good. Hey, we're going to put you in this little program here. You know, I was on purgatory working, doing little different odd jobs. As a BM-2, they really couldn't slave me. They had a lot of E-3s. And, and they uh, said, we're going to send you this program called SWIC. I'm like, what's that? All the old heads were like, who's been on three and four deployments? You don't need that crap. I've been here. i got four deployments. I'm a, I got my boat pin. You don't need that crap. But they, they had a BMC in there. And a BMCS who had actually been in Vietnam and had a boat shot out front of him. And he was like, come on, man, let's do it. You never know. You got a long career ahead of you. You've only been in four years so far. Did it. Went through the training. Graduated. Little did I know it would blow up like it is today. Yes. <laughs> so so I, I did that. Uh, got injured in 95 uh, after, like, my third deployment. And uh, had to uh, go TPU. 32nd Street to Life Raft Repair because it wasn't a closed loop yet. You know, the special boat, special warfare combat crewman program wasn't that. I wound up getting out. I said, man, my back is too jacked up. I don't want to go through this again. Um, they offered me, hey, take a pre-com, you know, the, new, the Pearl Harbor. My wife was like, eh, let's try our luck on the outside. Got out. The day I drove off the base was the most empty feeling I ever had in my life. Really? I was already out. missing it. I got my DD-214 at, at PSD, and I was getting off the freeway, getting off, going out the main gate, got on the 15, bro, and I cried all the way home because I was like, man, this is a horrible decision. I didn't have a job. You know, back then, you know, it wasn't easy to get a job. I was like, well, I'm going to try to be a cop. Try to be San Diego sheriff or something like that and put in an application, start running all that. And uh, I got a job working at Brinks, driving armored vehicles. <laughs> Driving around, picking up millions of dollars. 
and people are looking at you. You're sitting out in front of Albertsons and Vons, and people are walking in, and they're broke, and they're looking at you with a lot. I mean, you get some looks. That didn't last long. I wound up going to work at uh, my old devil, and my shipmate was working at Masi Nissan. They were like, man, you talk pretty good. Come get a job over here. So I went to go sell cars at the El Cajon store. was brand new. They took a chance on me. I did good. I was knocking them out. Then I took a job at Cox Cable, working in the call center, doing back when Cox first started internet, yeah, digital TV. I was one of the troubleshooters. So people would laugh because there was ETs, FCs, OSs working in their technical. And they're like, hey, Benny, what'd you do in the Navy? I was a boss mate. <laughs> hey, you can teach a boss mate to do anything. <laughs> uh, and that was cool because, like, my first ship, I wound up going to go to Hong Kong and you get these rings. It was a Mary Sousa. Oh, bolster mate rings. I've had this thing since I was 21. And uh, people always recognize, oh, man, it's old school. Old school rings. You, you got to buy them now. You don't get them. You, you have to have to trade. Yeah. Tom Shaw with the Mary Sue, the lady that'd be painting the ship. But anyway, so yeah, I went through the whole, you know, got out. I was out for two years. And I remember like. What years was this? 97 to 99. 97 99. So okay. that's when they were letting everybody in. Because in 95, they kicked everybody out. Because uh, they 15-year retirement. Um, they, they were, you know, Clinton reduced the Navy. Yeah. All services. So, you know, cool. I was out, outside working for a year and a half, making okay money, but it wasn't, I was missing something. You know, my wife and I had a little boy who's 20, about to be 26. And then she comes and she goes, uh, I'm pregnant. I was like, damn, I can't have two kids. Yeah. Out the Navy daycare. <clears throat> Back then daycare was only $85 a week. So. But still, I mean, like well, that's... now it's like 500 ain't it? Something like that? Mm. Yeah. 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 I don't talk about it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, incidentally, my boy calls me. He's a recruiter. He's like, hey, Boats, you want to get back in? I said, only if I can go back to the boat unit. I don't want to go back to the fleet. Let's see. Let's send just back then. They were changing all BM2s because it was to OS, OSs or ITs. So you'd have to drop a, a rank, and I didn't want to drop it. Yeah. So they said, we're going to send it off to Bupers to see what they say. Uh, call my wife at work. My wife's been working for Superior Court of San Diego since 91. So, like, babe, you know, down? Yes. Let's go. Go back. <laughs> Tired of you whining about missing the Navy. <laughs> so, man, this was June. By September, I was back in, you know, passed back in Back in his BM? BM2. Yeah. I got, you know, honored BM2. So, I called my boy. He's the, at the time, was a senior chief. Now he's at the Swick Schoolhouse. He's a match chief. Eventually, he was gonna be. He was the detailer. He said, "Okay, as soon as you know you're you're taken off the street and you you know you get you're made available for orders, I'm gonna give you orders back to the boat." So, cool. So I'm ready, working out, getting myself ready. All of a sudden, I get a call from a. I'm at home, getting ready to go to TPU because I was over at TPU, standing watches, and it's the BM detailer. Hey, this is senior chief. Blah blah blah. I'm your detailer. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm supposed to be going back to the boat team. No, we're 75% man in the fleet, brother. Pick a ship in Japan. Yeah. Can I call you back? He goes, you got 30 minutes. Damn. I call my boys at BMC. He's like, bro, how far along is your wife? I said, oh, she's four months. She's in her second trimester. You can't go to Japan. Call him back. He'll give you a ship in San Diego. Suck it up for two years out in the fleet. And you can go back to your old job. Okay, hey, you know, um, my boy just told me that these are the ships that are available, you know, back then the detail book. He said, nah, tell Peleliu or Tarawa. I knew my boy was on the Peleliu and they were on deployment. So I was like, hmm, okay. Tarawa, I always hated that ship. It was a piece of junk. It smelled like, it's just nasty. Take the Peleliu. She had just came from Long Beach. 
damn Long Beach. When Long Beach still had a name, like a naval, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They had just yeah. Came, all the ships that came down. Yeah, I call, I call the, I wound up calling the ship, call the, the Radio Shack. I said, "Hey, I'm such and such," and they were like, "Okay, here's your chief's email. He had just made chief." I said, "Okay," so I sent him an email. Nah, boat, you stay and put. We ain't got no racks for you. Enjoy it. I heard your wife's pregnant. Enjoy. We'll be back in December. And uh, cool. So I'm chilling. I'm in the Navy for five months, getting E5 pay. Loving life. TPU or so you're at TPU still? I'm at TPU, standing watches, quarter deck watches. There. Easy day. Easy day. Stand, uh, watch every few days. Ship pulls in. I mean, I'm in my blues. I'm ready. You know, I'm for young, you know, BM2, I've only been in like nine years. You know, I got East Wash. I got my boat pin. I got a nice little fruit salad collection. And this is about 99 now? 99. I go on the ship and stuff, and my chief sees me coming. He's like, I'm going on leave, boat. You got it. He said, You're going to be the new LPO, first division. Came back in. I'm trying to skate. I'd be a work center soup or something. I'm going back to the boat unit. I'm going to be here long. Man, I get there and they're like, I start talking to the NCC, who's the senior chief. And I was like, hey, you know, I want to eventually go back. I want to get everything ready. He was like, yeah, well, I'm looking at the instruction. They just changed it. It's, cl- it's closed loop. And if you weren't in when they did the closed loop, you got to go back through training. And training from 92 when I was in class number three, was like daily PT. We'd get beat up in the morning at the pool and then we'd PT and there'd be bud students there. So they'd have to, the instructor would, you know, kick our butts a little bit, but we were all like E5s and E4s and a, a chief. And a, it ain't like it, it, it evolved into 99. I wouldn't have made it. I was old, beat up. I couldn't make those runs. I could do the swims, but just the runs alone. So it was like, but between 92 and 99, they had formalized it and made it a, a, a real hard fucking thing. A baby buds. To, right, yeah. Yeah. To to actually like weed out the week and, and get some fucking legit people oh in there. Oh my God. It was it was it was, and it's like it's funny because I talked to a lot of my boys who I deployed with and now we're like chiefs and senior chiefs and they were like, We wouldn't have made it through back then. If if it was like then back then, we wouldn't have made it because we was drinking. You know, we used to have a, a the Gator Gardens, which is the old base the amphib base, they had a club. Most commands there had a two drink max for lunch. So liquid lunches were in effect. Yeah. You grab yourself like a bag of pretzels and go get you two 24-ounce beers at the Gator Gardens for lunch. Come back, get you a little nooner. If you had an op that night, you didn't do it. You'd go to San Clemente, support the Seals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, yeah, so, you know, I was on the ship, and I was bummed out because I was like, you know, we'd be pulling out in and out, and I'd be seeing the 11 meters going by, the boats going by, and I'd be like, dang, five, you know, Mark fives, and I'd be like, dang. But, I enjoyed it because on the ship, you know, the LPO, and and then I was trying to make first. BM1 was under 1%. Damn. What am I going to do? I like that NC job. I'm not going back to my community. Might as well become an NC. So I converted to NC, and it was the coolest thing ever because I, I went from, like, sharing an office with a bunch of degenerates, <laughs> having to discipline kids on the I loved it. Though. I loved working on deck. Having my own office with a senior chief. Just chilling. Doing admin paperwork. Doing admin paperwork, watching Not TV. Not fucking boat ops or this or, or, no. or I mean, you're, you're on the Peleleu at Peleleu. Yeah. So, well deck ops, all, all that. that shit, right? Well, I didn't like, have that. I was in third. So, we did well deck safety. Okay. So you know, the guy down there. Well, and that's crazy because I was on, you know, when we met, I was on the Rushmore. Yeah. And so, even though they kind of had these divisions within deck, it had moved around like the, the you know how the Navy is always changing, right? 
So, but it, there wasn't enough people really on the ship to be like, you were strictly, or it didn't seem like it, right? Everyone was doing fucking well deck ops. We had a lot of Right? People. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and bigger ship to begin yeah, with. Bigger but, ship, but yeah. yeah. We LSDs are where both mates cut their teeth. Yeah. Because you're doing flight deck ops. Yeah. Whereas we're on an LPD or an LHA or LS, LHD or L, they have a aviation department. Yeah. Nah. So that, and then, so I became an NC. You know, that exam was still kind of closed. 40%, 30%, you know, advancement. Finally made NC1. I was happy. And then uh, Iraq starts kicking. Well, we were already on 9-11. We'd already, we were the first ship over there. We were in Darwin when all that kicked off. They collected us all, a bunch of drunks. They got to see everything live at the MGM Casino. Just get us back to the ship, underway the next day. We go to East Timor to drop off some stuff. And we were going to go to East Timor and Thailand. No, we're going straight to the I.O. We're out there doing boxes for 139 days underway. The Comstock broke, so she got to pull into Bahrain. And the Dubuque broke, so she got to pull in, not us. So we got two beer days finally after like three, four months or something. What was that like? I always like asking people about like their 9-11 experience, right? It, it was crazy. We got to see it every day on TV. We had direct TV. Yeah. So that's something new for me. I go from my first ship, if I wanted to call my wife, it would be uh, through ham radio. Mm-hmm. So we used to have the ham radio. So you have to call, you know, call the phone. There'd be a relay. Hi, honey. Over. I'm doing well, baby. I love you. I miss you. Over. So you're like talking on a CB radio mm-hmm. kind of, and you're up in the in the pilot shack on a CB radio over at seas to I'm an NC. I'm in my office. I got a pot line. We had just got that upgrade on the ship. So I could call, you know, the, the IC men were cool because they wanted good orders and they knew me as a boss mate. So, Hey man, here's a list. This is the the Marine captain or the Colonel's number. You can use his extension to call home. I call my wife every morning before she went to work, got the two kids, you know, ready. She go to work. Hi. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. You know, nine 11 kicked off and I was on, I was in my office. I was about to go hit the gym. And all of a sudden I'm like, CNN, internet, internet on a ship. Come on now. I mean, like that's you, new. You didn't even know what internet. What I mean? Well, it was you found out what it was, but yeah, yeah not well, like I worked today. It. I worked it in the civilian sector, so I kind of well, okay. Yeah, on the ship. I mean, back then the whole entire ship of what twenty five hundred people were sharing like fifteen megs. Yeah, uh, yeah. It you was, had floppy disks. Oh yeah, yeah. Just saving everything Three on there. Yeah. Floppy. Then yeah. we went to zip drives. Yeah. Stop. Fifteen megabytes. Thirty two megabytes on a zip drive. We had a stack of them too. I still got some at home. So, you know, 9-11, I saw on CNN, banner on the internet. Plane cra- small plane crashes in the World Trade Center. Idiot. Go hit the gym, come back. People are freaking out. I took a shower. I went down to the pier and got me a little platter, a little poo-poo platter of gator meat and shrimp and stuff. And people are coming back drunk. And I'm going to look, look at the news on the TV. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is serious. Oh, my, what's happening? You know, you see the people jumping. And people are coming back drunk. And then you got the crazy New Yorkers. They're attacking my city, you know. We had two Muslims on the ship, an EM and another dude. They had to put them away. They were looking for them. That's how crazy things can get fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, the CO was like, there ain't going to be none of that. None of that. We had, an old, we had an old black CO, Captain Larry Watson. And he went to the Naval Academy in like 75, so he was old school. From Waller, Texas, a little small town. 
And he was the perfect CEO we needed at that time. And then we got another CEO a few months later who's now like a big shot over at NASCO, uh, Captain Dennis DeBar. It's like having your dad as the CEO. You know, loved us all, took care of us. And it was an amazing deployment. I mean, we had Tommy Franks, you know, General Tommy Franks come out and visit us uh, with Wayne Newton, Dallas cheerleaders, Drew Carey. You know, he was a Marine, so he was sitting there with the Marines and stuff, and they were all happy and stuff like that. He was like, oh, I was a Marine reservist. They were like, you're a Marine, okay. <laughs> but it was crazy because we were out to sea so long, and then we lost all our Marines. They went to Afghanistan. And then we had uh, John um, Walker Lynn on board. Who's the that? American Taliban. The dude they caught over there. Oh, like so, he went like a UA or something. Like, is that no, the one that walked no, off the post? No, that's the dude who was recruited to go to Yemen to study Islam and then wound up getting caught in Afghanistan um, with the fighters. There's like a whole story about him. You got to do, look it up. I, I you gotta, you gotta do your research John Walker on Lynn. it, man. Yeah. John Walker Lynn. So he just got out of jail in 2018. But there was a CIA operative who got killed in a big war, in a big fight. And he was one of the guys um, there. And the, uh, so, you know, he winds up saying, I'm an American, you know, to a, a CNN reporter. So they wind up catching him. They seclude him. They put him, you know, all it, there's a Netflix special on it. I can't remember it. And they put him in a Connex box with a bunch of Special Force Recon Marines. And they're out there taking pictures with him butt naked. <laughs> they're interrogating him. So... We get told our ship's brig is going to turn into a, a holding area for, for a bunch of captured people. One of them being Osama bin Laden's driver. There was this dude David something I forgot his name, but he was an Australian who fought with the Chechen rebels, and was fighting in Afghanistan. So we had all those guys in our brig. Like our brig was like holding books and stuff like that, and then they turned it into like a straight up, a hundred percent brig. You know, we got NIS on board. They had. I was in the admin office, and they had little notes that they had keistered. They had stuck up their buttholes with, like, important information yeah. about Osama bin Laden and stuff like that. And then they brought that guy on board. He got shot in the leg. That John Walker Lynn guy, he got shot in the leg. And uh, it was crazy because he was down there. And when he first came on board, he sounded like a British, like an Eastern, you know. And then uh, one of my boys, the MA1, McClinton from Mississippi, AJW, they say, after a while, he was all skinny. That dude was eating everything. They're like, man, that dude eat a pork chop if you put it in front of him. He didn't care. And he had this long hair with this long beard. And then they sent my boy down there, man, my boy Baker, to cut his hair. Why he give him, like, a Justin Bieber bob? <laughs> <laughs> so there's pictures of him, like, on board the ship. And then we they wound up leaving. We were going back, and they sent him to the Bataan. The Bataan was out there with us. And we were coming back. So we had no liberty. So we went back to Australia. We hit Perth and then to Sydney. So you got a hundred, uh, a couple thousand, and we just got females on the ship. So a couple thousand sailors, female Marines, Marines hitting Perth with five months worth of money. Destroyed. A little, little bit better money now by this time, right? Well, a little you know, bit better. I got allotments now, you know. I'm the first <laughs> Money's going home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but you got more money, you, you know, and man, it was crazy. Tore that up, tore free Sydney up, and then we came home. Flew home from there to back, you know, and I was like, man, you know, home again, you know, family, put the ship in the dry dock and start to look for orders. And uh, I'm like, okay, I'm an NC1. I want me a small boy now. I want to be the command career council on a small boy. I'm supposed to go to the ship, the Pinckney. Then I wind up 
they wound up give, being given to a younger, another NC1. And they said, oh, you're going to SEAL Team 1. I said, for what? What am I going to do there? An NC to 130 guys? I said, well, they have a CMC. Your background, that'll help you out. I get there, a bunch of the guys that were there, I had deployed with back in the day because we used to always deploy with platoons. So it was a great experience. They were like, yeah, we, we just got back from deployment in Afghanistan, but we're about to go to Iraq. March. I got there like December, March. Iraq kicks off. So these guys are ready. So we're flying everywhere with them, training, you know, just carrying their suitcase, standing watch, being cool with it, you know. The per diem is nice. Traveling around everywhere and everything. Then we go to Iraq for six months. You know, and it, it, it was it was just 2004. Being in Baghdad was just what, you know, that's when IAs, IAs started a little after that. But to be a sailor, you know, a fleet sailor, walking around there in, like, special operation uniform with an M4. You see my pictures on Facebook. It's yeah. Like, Going to palaces, going on convoys and stuff, and you just like, wow. And, and that's and you know, me, me that I've worked over there too. Like those guys will talk about those early days mm-hmm. of like that's when it was, uh, you know. I was standing. It, I was, it was free range. Go take care of business. Whatever you need to do, go take care of it. Like the the, the ROEs and and it was very loose and very fast. And those there, guys were handling business. We got there April, early April of two thousand and four. We got off the C-5, and it was us and four platoons, and there was already the forward advance party. And they said, we got attacked today. A thousand men tried to rush the base, lock and loaded at all times. Your sidearm, and because I had experience in that community, the gunner had hooked me up and gave me a nice M4 all scoped out and everything. So I was like, okay. And I had all the tactical gear. I had actually been given an operator gear because in the system I – NEC was still there. I still yeah. had the ninety five thirty three NEC with you. So you know, okay. So, dang, it's for real. We get there, there's nothing. Eighty second Overborn had left the palace compound we were at, and we were in a hooch. With, like, we had metal plates over the the drains, and you could hear the rats at night trying to dig through. It's gross. But we built our little, you know, hooches, our little beat shacks. We used to call them, you know, your little curtains and everything, and. You know, it's like the seals that weren't in the platoon would stay with us, and we'd, we'd be chilling, having a good time. I stand uh the TIF, which is one of those temporary holding facilities, which they CNN called private prisons. Mm. Get the seals or the fort. We had force recon marines with us, first ever, and we had Polish Grom, which were some bad dudes. As their special Six forces, foot two, right? Big muscle bound cats that don't know how to say no, but shut up, <laughs> stupid Haji, and. Uh, they would, uh, you know, we'd stand watching their prison watches, you know, and at first we had nothing. We'd put them in a circle, and it was, it's like you kind of think, like, it's fun the first few days because you get to, you know, rough them up a little bit. You know, these guys just tried to kill us, mortaring our position and stuff, and they called them out in the wire, or they're high-value targets. After a while, it starts getting to you because you got to play that loud music. So it's like you're there too, but you're like, all right, man, and you can't trust them. You know, you got them in a circle, you're pouring water. You know, they're doing all kind of stuff. Like, And then three months later, Abu Ghraib happens. Mm. And then they send us like a special army guy there to watch everything. Because interrogations got a little crazy. You know, they go in that room and they play games. And sometimes they snatch you up because, you know, I was a big dude. Be like, you know, the Iraqis are small men, so they're scared of like, because the Saddam, his big dudes, 
would do all kind of nasty stuff to you. And I'm talking about prison nasty stuff. And they'd be like, oh. and just trying to get information. So that, you know, that, that deployment came to an end, you know, it was like, I was amazed. I was just like, wow, I've done everything on this deployment that I'll never do again. You know, just doing everything, just standing watches at a jail, being in a jock, listening to sensitive information coming in, you know, the seal is the CEO and he's like, we're going to be doing this. We're going to be like, dang, you know, the president of Iraq at the time, you know, I'll see all these people because our, our seals are doing a high value target movements and they're traveling. I'm going to the airport. I'm the travel manager too. So yeah. I'm going to the airport with the, with the suppo who's a Lieutenant who came from damn neck. And we're going to the airport to buy airline tickets with cash money, briefcases, bags, bag of money, passports. We're up there buying stamping. the money. Yeah. Uh, there's no money. Global War on Terrorism Fund was stupid. Millions. I think we had like a $25 million budget. Our LS, our SK-1 had just made chief, and he was on my first ship with me. So, I mean, it, it was nothing to just, hey, Benny, let's go to the credit card. Let's go to Fry's. We got to go get the guy's cameras. Uh, hey, want to ride with me to REI? We got to go buy the guy's boots. $150 boots on the credit card. No limit on the government credit card. You know, we got to order everybody's Cento watches. Yeah. Everything. Top of the line, you know, those contractors were making big money, you know. So anyway, you know, that, we get back from deployment. I'm kind of messed up because I'm like, man, you're getting mortared every day. It affects you, you know, things like that. You come back and things are a little sensitive, happy to be home. Transferred from there, got orders to the New Orleans, pre-com. Met a lot of great people, had a good time, but it didn't work out for me. What year was that now? You're on the New Orleans? Oh, five. Okay, okay. I get there and I kind of had a personality conflict with a with a chief, <laughs> and uh, SKC walks up to me and says, "Hey, brother, better get your some orders out of here. You got a good future. You still got five years left in before you hit twenty. That dude's gonna ruin it for you. You better leave." So I put in a chip. Hey, put me on the next thing smoking because Katrina happened and the ship got delayed. Mm-hmm. You know, the USS Kid flooded Pierside and the New Orleans was delayed. So they sent me to what ship? The Pinckney. The one you were supposed to be on before, yeah. Because the career counselor on there, she got into a little bit of a mix-up with a warrant, and she got taken off the ship. So I get on the ship. It's a whole new crew, new master chief, new thing, because they just had a big sex scandal with all kind of people. You know, scene chiefs, warrants, all kind of big heads. So we had to kind of turn the tide, and we did it, you know. Ship did well. We had our CEO was Captain Peter Schmidt, who was the XO of the coal when it got bombed. So you talk about a dude that walks around shell shocked. He did not get close to us. He was our captain, and he, but for DSET briefs, he would tell us like the stuff that he saw. I was like, man, I don't wish that on nobody. Yeah, you know, I remember sitting once at a firefighting school, and some DC one was like, I can't wait. I want to take an IA. I want to go over there, and I was like, bro, you don't do that. You're a fleet guy. You should have joined the Marines or the Army. He's like, man, you should have never known, you know, talking that stuff. I said, all right, bro. You go over there, and, and anybody that's ever done an IA has, like, experienced the stuff that goes on over there and just not chilled in a camp somewhere. You know, people are just coming back. I was just talking to my boy, you know, was a lieutenant commander, and he was out there with a SEAL team just a few years back, and he was like, it's bad, man, you know. You don't know what's going to happen. You're out there living off the land. So, you know, just – 
all that happened, you know, um, wound up transferring and, you know, I made a few uh, not good friends on the on the way that happened to be up in the upper ranks of the NC community because I was always a bosun. I didn't do the whole, not to say anything bad with being political, but I just didn't play that. My crew was more important to me taking care of my sailors than taking care of myself. Yeah. And people would look at my record and be like, oh, all this stuff in here. Is, and I was still doing on a destroyer as a NC1 doing all the unreps. <laughs> unreps. Seeing Anchor, doing all, because I liked it. But it didn't really show much of the other stuff that NC's doing. Well, I mean, like, NC's job, it, it ain't it ain't nothing, but, I mean, you, you have time. And, and if you if you like that stuff and you mm-hmm. still wanted to do it, then you could probably make the time to yeah. go. And I did it. And, do I, the and, time. I, and I let that kind of overshadow everything. So my yeah. evals really didn't do the things that NC should do. So, you know, yeah. I wound up leaving the Pinckney in 08. And then, uh, they tried to send me to Djibouti. And I said, Chief, I have a CPAP. I had a CPAP back in 07. I said, you can't go to Djibouti for the CPAP. And he the detail was like, you're going anyway. I get there, and I'm in medical in line in, in Virginia, processing to go IA. And I got my CPAP machine, and HMC is like, what's that? I go, that's my CPAP. You can't freaking go to IA. Get out of line. Detailer, he's like, I ain't got nothing in San Diego. I said, Come on, man, it's my last tour, man. I had, you know, I never made Chiefs. I was like, My wife's there, my kids there. I had to call in a few favors, some of my old C mamas. Come on, Mass Chief, hook me up. Talk talk to him. Okay, I got you. They sent me to LCS. So I go to LCS Squadron that had just started in '08. Yeah. The the Freedom and the Indy wasn't even built. The Freedom, they flew me out there to do a bunch of you know NC stuff. And she was supposed to be delivered in a week. And the deck plates weren't standing. There was there was um, scuttles that weren't even put in. The ship wasn't ready to get underway, but she was getting underway in a few in a month. So that was an experience going up to Marinette. And my sister in law was actually on the Independence, but she wound up getting sick and got you know medical discharge. She was a GSE on there, and uh, wound up going down to Alabama to see Avondale to see the the Independence. And it was just a, a great experience, for, even though the command was. Yeah, you're still there. Well, that command was something. But back then, we were in one building. Yeah. We it wasn't there. even the building that they have now. We were in building 55. Yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all in that building. The mine warfare detail, there was two of them. There was two mine warfare details. And it's funny because there's a, there was a, the, the OIC was a, a lieutenant commander who's now the CEO of the John P. Murtha. Um, oh, the Loda. The one with the uh, Filipino guy, yeah, with the uh, with the tick, the TikTok and the all that. He was like that back then, yeah. And I've seen him over the years because I, you know, did a few things for him when he was in CEO of the Comstock and stuff like that. You know, that dude comes from a heck of a lineage. You know, his dad was a chief. His wife was an officer at the academy. You know, he's from here, from Morris. He always tells people I'm from the hood. Morris football captain of the Navy football team. Not that tall, you know. And uh, he's always been a go getter. He's an academy guy. Yeah. Yeah, ninety nine, I think ninety seven, something like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So now he's and and it's and it's great. This crew loves him. Yeah, like, I see people with the Mirtha hat on, like around here, and I say, "How you like uh, Captain Loda?" Oh, it's a twenty three or twenty six, but it just has the I don't it's know what the, the crest. Fuck it is. It's a crest, and it says two six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Real yeah, simple. He does his real. Instagram. He's like, "What's up, two six fam?" And he does like shout outs and stuff. Yeah, like, for him to be an academy guy, he's really flipped the script. So now these CEOs yeah. got to step their game up. 
it, it, it's funny you bring that up because uh, we were just talking about that the other day. I was um I was upstairs talking to you know to the big dogs. So it, it, he came up in some kind of conversation about something, right? And I guess I don't know if it was our CEO or XO. I think it was XO had gone to some school training pipeline with him, and he said, um, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know how he gets away with it, with like doing the Instagram and all this. I was like, I didn't say exactly what I was thinking, you know, because sometimes people ain't ready for. For all of that, right? I want the tree shaking above, right? Head. And I mean, I got a great chain of command. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like you know, some. It's one of those things that could have been like, "Ooh, you, you shouldn't say that," right? But I'm like, look, I was like, hey, pretty much, I was like, look, you know, you do anything you want, you know, if you got the sauce. He does. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like it, it, if if it's tasteful and, and you're doing it, and people are for it, it's hard for Navy to tell you no when. Your ship is all about it. Trust me, man. You know I, what I mean? I've seen the abuse in, in all kind of different angles on, on ships. You know, I've been on, you know, different ships. I was on the Duluth. I was on uh, the Peleliu. I was on, you know, New Orleans Precom, and I did the Pinckney. And being Gators, you know, and then being on the DDG, and then you see the the stuff going on, but you kind of keep it quiet because you don't want to be a rat. But it's just like, you know, they say the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. You know, you see all these, man, just, bro, she just checked in, you know? And he'd be like, come on, bro. You know, you just talking about your wife and kids and stuff. And now you're out here trying to hustle with the little E3, you know? Yeah. Relax. You're going to ruin all her life. All those mean jokes, You're yeah. going to be okay, but sh- you're going to ruin her life. I mean, there's. Oh, or, or they're not going to be okay. Yeah. Right? Like, no. you, like two lives are going to be ruined. Three lives. Count the kids. A lot more lives. You know what I mean? Like. It, it that is that shit ain't going to end well, but Bro, it never ends well. Yeah. We had a, we had a, I remember we had a uh, chief who got this girl pregnant, and then he wouldn't pay, he wouldn't do nothing. She came to his house with the baby, and his wife was like, "Well, we've been together too long, so we're not going to ruin this. So we got a family now." Damn. So you know, <laughs> Damn. Imagine, so you imagine still having to live with your wife and you had an outside kid, yeah, a side baby, yeah. And and that I'm sure that that person's wife wasn't cool with it. She wasn't cool with it, but she had him. Yeah, you know, like that. I don't know if you ever seen that movie uh, American Beauty, where he finds out that his wife is cheating on him. Uh, Kevin, uh, Spacey. Kevin Spacey, yeah. And he's in the drive-through. He said, "You don't get to tell me nothing. I yeah. do whatever I want." Yeah. Told me when I bought him a Camaro. Yeah. Started, started smoking it. that weed. <laughs> so it's a good movie. It's just it's just a thing like that. It's just the abuse and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, my twenty because the two years I was out, I was on the reserves. That saved my butt, and that I never went to the VA to file a claim because I wouldn't be able to get back in because I'd have been over 30 easy. If you're under 30, you can get back in, but I'd have been because my back was jacked up yeah. and my knees. So, you know, 2010 came around. I retired. I didn't have a job. Didn't do nothing. Started putting on weight, sitting at the house. Wife was like, you better do something before they have to get a forklift to get you up out of here. Give me <laughs> on my 600-pound my life. So I was, uh, incidentally, I'm eating lunch on my birthday in 2011 with my son at uh Studio Diner. And my boy was Great in. spot. Great spot. If you listening, you in San Diego, Studio Diner, the one up in like back. fucking Mirror, was it Mirror Mesa or oh, Kearney a, Mesa? It's Kearney Mesa. Kearney Mesa. That's the spot. Look it up. It's, it's on a movie set. Yep. They make movies back there. Our yeah. SEALs used to go up there to train up there. It's a stew, something, stew, something studios. And they'd go up there because they have actual like helicopter stuff. So they yeah. actually, they filmed like, uh, what's the name of that, that show with uh, Josh uh, Groban's father or something? Pensacola. Okay. Old Navy Aviation, they used to film that and other stuff. They do scenes there. But uh, 
my boy walks over to me. He's being one on the pedal with me. He was like, hey, dog, what you doing? I said, nothing. He goes, you still remember all your boatsmen? Man, go apply at AMSEC. So AMSEC, you know, I apply, I get an interview, and I get hired to do the boatsmate. You know, they got the IRAT teams, E-RAT. Now they're just RAT. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was going on ships with this other guy who had been a BM1 and got out and doing inspections, getting ready for in-serve. And I remembered everything because it was fresh to me. You know, you're just going off an of in-serve checkoff list. Yeah. So I stayed with the fleet. I did that till like 2015. I got tired of it. You know, like, I, you know, I was coaching high school football. I needed a little more something. So I went to go be a mailman. For a forty-five-year-old with bad back and bad knees, I, I I always like when you repost that. That's the biggest kick in the nuts <laughs> I ever had in my life, and it's funny because I started working there and I was working at the at the main place up there on Carmel Mountain Ranch, and I got absorbed by the mafia. All the old Filipino cats, they're like, "Boats, stay with us. Don't go be a ma- a, a, uh, a mailman. You're gonna hate it. A carrier." I said, "No, I want to do it. I can do it. Challenge myself. I should have stayed there, but then I'd still be there today." But they make good money, and the hours are good. But it was it was an easy job, man. You just take the mail from the sorter and put it, and it goes to the different stations. So I learned a lot about the whole infrastructure of mail. And then, man, I, they put me out on the street on a hot day. And they said, okay, you got one thing to do with mail. And I was up in Mira Mesa. I didn't know Mira Mesa gets like 100 degrees in October, September. Bro, I was out there. And they were laughing at me. They said, they're dying. I was out there dying. I got a hang of it in a little while, you know, but it wasn't for me. You know, they, they play too many games with you. Their post office management is like, to me, post office management was like nothing with respect to the, the O's in the Navy, but it was like taking all the chiefs and first classes off the ship and anybody 04 and above and letting them run it. Letting the old, you know, somebody straight out the academy or college run it. That's what it is. It's horrible management. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing and they swear they know. You know I, I used to do your job too. I had a Vietnamese uh, uh, supervisor, and he actually he loved the Navy because he got saved. Like his, he was on one of them little rafts uh-huh. in Vietnam after Vietnam War, and he got saved by the Navy. Show me some love, then. <laughs> one of my guys probably brought you on the ship, you know. But that was hard, man. After that, I went back to selling cars. I was in there buying my wife a car, and my boy was like, "He's the general manager now." Kim, you came for Masi. Come see him at Masi Jewelers, <laughs> and uh, you know he he said, "Man, come work here, man. You make some money." I was killing it. Killing the game. But I had a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, and I was like, man, they need me. My youngest used to always tell me, Dad, I need you home, man. So I left that job, went to go. I got an offer, like, hired right there for Coronado. Yeah. Dude was like, man, screw this, man. Come work for me. But dude, Tony, he used to come on the ship with me. Tony Fry, he was an SKC, retired SKC. I did that for a while. Uh the company's gone now. He, the owner screwed it all up. So is it? Oh yeah, yeah the building's still there, but they, yeah. they ain't making no business. Man. Yeah, they lost their contract years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I got, I got fired for doing my job and speaking my mind. You know, like, can I get a raise around here? You know, bringing all this money in, all these hundreds of thousands off the carriers, and I ain't getting no love. Hey, you know, call me in to do my little eval. Got bounced. That's the worst feeling. I've never been fired from nothing in my life. Yeah. You know, 48 years old, 47, and get fired. Go home, you're like, dang, what am I going to do now? But when you never burn your bridges that you cross, you know, old wine one, saw my post. I said, well, this journey's over. On to the next one. That post comes around every November or something. And uh, my girl calls me. She's like, hey, you want to work for the VA? I'm working up here at the cemetery. 
So I got a job working at the cemetery at Fort Rosecrans. Amazing. It was an amazing opportunity. I got to meet some old World War II heroes, got to do some ceremonies for some, and I was the only guy. So I was up there just handling it like a G. You know, come up there, my friends coming up there for funerals, they'd be like, you work here? I'm like, yeah, man, you know. Uh, you know turn events, 2018, I lose my son. The happiness of that went away. Uh, had to switch gears, but the family at the at the cemetery looked down for me and said, we're going to get you transferred somewhere else, humanitarian transfer. They transferred me the benefits. So that's, I've been doing that for the last three and a half years. Yeah, I do claims. And it's amazing because they push us. You know, VA gets a bad rap 24-7. But it's because people don't get what they want because they don't do the work. They don't do the homework. They expect somebody to do it for them. Mm-hmm. If something's really wrong with you, make sure it's in your record before you retire. Or you get out, you know, because you know, I get people tell me all the time, oh, I never went to Sig Bay or nothing. Oh, well, can't do nothing for you, man. Yeah, I'm going to be coming to talk to you in about four or five years. And I'm not shy about that. Man. I get, I get, bro, I get constantly texts and messages from my friends, you know, also, you know, senior rank guys. Hey, man, my boy is about to get out. This happened to him. This happened to him. I said, all right, when he goes see his VSO, make sure he tells him this, this, that, and the other. Make sure he's got the documentation. If there's something wrong with you, make sure, you know, they just open up that whole desert storm, all the, you know, the, the burn presumptive, pit. the burn pit registry. Yep, yep. And you're going to see a lot of people that were out there in the Gulf and stuff like that. I have this cough for the last 15 years that won't go away. You know, people see me in the store and like, ooh, COVID. Yeah. Nah, burn pit, baby. I live less than a quarter mile away from a, a 30 by 30 pit that they used to dump vehicles in, gas in. Everything. Every, all day. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's just one of those things, but, you know, like, you know, the premise, you know, we started this conversation, you want to know how, yeah, the Navy, man, it used to be so different because it was more or less like do as I say, not do as I do, because you'd see, I mean, I cranked in the chief's mess. I saw, and I never made chief, but I saw in 1989 an uh, initiation. We were in the, they had us in the kitchen, you know, just me and the other mess cook and had a little dumb waiting looking under there. And I saw some stuff that I know the Navy doesn't do. They haven't done in 15 years. Yeah. Cause I mean, they had like, I don't care. Ain't no secret to me. They don't no. do it no more, but they had like electric chair. They had like a, a, a mattress a metal mattress with electric leads on. I saw this, this dude made SKC big truck, like six, six that dude doing squats, touch and goes. On a block of ice. Like with his pants on? Balls out. Damn. <laughs> but it was just because cr- it was like an evening of humiliation. I and mean, we were underway. Yeah. So they didn't get to go to the beach and do all that stuff. And yeah. Anything like that. And it was just crazy, man. And then, you know, th- there used to be a saying. I-, I know things have changed a lot. I remember, I'm not, like I said, I'm not putting anybody down. People, you know, sometimes my boys would be like, oh, you hating because you never made it. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I- I- yeah. I make money. I'm good. <laughs> but. I said, the caliber back then was a lot different. Not all, but for the most part, it was a lot different. They weren't all great, but there was a lot of screw up. You know, a lot of, a lot of racism. You know, late ninety, late eighties, there was still a lot of good old boy. I had a BMC tell me, yeah, he just checked on board. He was a BM one, checked on board. He was crazy, and I had on some Lokes, the old school black mm-hmm. glasses. Those are fat as shit, mate. I see you wearing them again. I'm gonna slap them off your face. And I said, hell, you are. No, you ain't. And uh, I'm like the golden boy on the ship, so I'm like, ain't going to touch me. 
Bro, homie took them off my face. One day I was standing up on the folks watching my guys. I was a BM3. Took them and threw them in the water. And he stood back and he was like, do something. You'll be back wherever shithole you from. And I was like, which that dude had a horrible. He tried to get me later when I went to the boat unit. My, his neighbor was one of our training chiefs, old school. And he told him, oh, that guy's a piece of crap. Don't trust him. Blah, blah. He hated me with a passion. And um, BMC pulls me to the side. Hey, man, I've seen you. I've watched you work for the last few months. I know you're not what he says. But watch out for him. And it's like, why do people hate, low-key hate, you know, yeah. your face? And that happens in the Navy a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Screw Chief Moore. He got his shit together. I'm pretty sure people do say it. You know. I'm pretty. I, I mean, I, not. Like, I don't like using the word haters. I, I ain't fucking. There are haters. There, there might be, but I, I, I know personally for myself. There's, there's people out there that be like, oh yeah, he. Again, just for myself, motherfuckers think I'm a cocky asshole, arrogant, and I'm just like, all right. But I always tell them, then, like, you probably don't know me either. I met you as an elder. You know what I mean? You were just confident. You're just a confident. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that though. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta know what you got to bring to the table, and you gotta. I mean, you gotta be humble. At the same time, but I look at it. So, like, going back to what I was saying about, you know, the old Navy versus new Navy. You know, it's like I always make fun of my friends that are, like, chiefs. Because I'm like, bro, do you own another shirt that don't have the triad on it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if, if, they, if, so, if, if, like, a militia was to go out and say, I'm going to kill everybody wearing a triad shirt or a goat locker shirt, the Navy would be done. They'd lose 75% of their yeah. chiefs. Because that's all you see. And back then... You know, of course, silk screen and, you know, nobody really wore stuff like that. Nobody yeah. wore command representation. That was right. the thing. And that that didn't start kicking off to the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. That's when I started seeing that more, you know, the blues. And I always laugh because I'd be like, bruh. You know, and then you get the dudes that don't know how to let it go, that retire and just, you know, like, still there. I, I remember I ran into this dude, man. He was a retired master chief. He was a shamed master chief, too. He was supposed to go be a CMC, and he got busted messing with some girl. I remember seeing him after he retired, and I was like, what's up, dog? How you doing, bro? He's like, oh, it's still Master Chief. I said, peace. <laughs> Get over yourself. You know what I'm saying? And there's still dudes that feed off of that. Like, we yeah. got guys that work at the VA. We got a few Master Chiefs, Senior Chiefs and stuff. And people still treat him like that. I'm like, bro, you better treat that dude like Rick. You know what's funny is I was uh, – <laughs> our chill box had broke, broke on the ship, and I called up to get one. And they're like, yeah, you know, you got to call this um, – you got to call Master Chief whoever um, – they know all about peer layout and everything. They just came from Port Ops, right? So they know exactly what to do. He established a program at Port Ops, so just call him and he'll have it delivered and he'll set you up. And I was thinking, my, I was like, what do you like? He just came from Port Ops. I'm calling a a a company here local, and I was like, uh, Mass Chief, who? And he's like, yeah, it's Mass Chief, whoever. Uh, he he, uh, Mass Chief retired. I was like, okay. I call up. I was like, yeah, is this a uh, uh, fucking bill? You know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, this uh, Mass Chief, uh, Mass Chief Bill, fucking uh, retired, you know, retired Mass Chief Bill, and I'm like, for real, bro, like, like, I don't care if you retired last year, like, that's how you're still announcing yourself. You're done, bro. But, but, you know, it's one of those things too. Is like, okay, well, I'm gonna be doing business with this guy, right? It, it, it's you know, I'm, I'm, I got to build some rapport here so I could get what I want. So. You know, just to appease him, I say, "Hey, what's up, Mass Chief? You know, uh, oh, hey, what's up, brother? You know, what can I do for you?" It's like, "I'm, a, I'm gonna play you for the position that you're in, and 
just so I could fucking be taken care of, right? And and it happened over the last couple of months when I've needed something with this piece of equipment. I've been able to call them. I'm like, hey, what's up, brother? You know, and yeah, I mean, you're rolling your eyes, but it's, you got to do I, it. You got to do it. You got to play the game. What's the game? And and I always I tell my guys, got to be ahead of the game. We're playing chess, not checkers. I call him up. I could call him Master Chief. I tell him I need help, and he's going to fucking have someone over ASAP, fixing my shit, moving my it's, shit, it's making it happen. It's his clown show. Let him run it the way he wants. Yeah. And that's the thing with people. You, you got to play the game. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, if you're still feeding off of that, good luck. Right. You know, like we got, like I said, we got guys at the at the, at the regional office and they're retired. So it's like, like my boss is retired. He was a chief when at warrant and LDO retired. And he's not shy about letting people know that. And I go out of my way to make sure I call him by his first name. And it's like, you know, and it's funny. Cause like on the outside, you know, they'll, 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 you know, they'll ask you what you retired as. So I got a, I got another friend who's a retired NC one. He always says, people say, People will ask you what you do for a living or what you did in the military to establish what level of respect to give you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's that's kind of you know, that's kind of that's kind of you know you know segregated because I I used, I used to have a guy that I work with and he used to treat me like I was you know I'm, I've been out the navy four years he used to treat me like a first class and he was the chief and I used to bust his every time get up out of here with that I said we never served together a. So I don't know what you're capable of. I don't know how you are on the deck place, yeah. you know, whatever, you know. So it's it's the thing, you know. And it's like, I feel bad for dudes like that because they need something. And those are mostly dudes that are getting slapped at home like Johnny Depp by the old lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. Or, yeah, there's there, there's a hazmat guy that we work with now. Um, I, I kind of like I don't know if it's a fucked up thing, but if I if you say you're retired, I automatically just go with chief. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, what rate were you? Okay, just so I know what to talk about or something, and and we're like, oh, you know, were you retired chief? And oh no, you know, I, I just retired as first. All right, that's cool. We need those two. Ain't no biggie. Ain't no ain't no shit right. And, and then and then it's it's straight to business. You know, I'm not like like all right. Well, listen up, retired first class. Look here, I, I'm, I'm the ship. I'm 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 the chief here, right? So you're gonna. And I'm like, all right, yeah. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and talking to me. And this is what I need help with, bro. Can you help me out? You know, and I, I always shake the person's hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, it's just, like, basic, like... Oh, I got a story for you. Respect, you know what I mean? In 2014, we go on the Lake Champlain. It was myself, another guy who was a... He's, he was a reservist, first class, another guy who was a second class. And we're going to do their evaluation prior to InServe. So we're I'm doing all the deck stuff by myself. I'm underway with them for a week and a half. Uh, the other guys are doing the engineering stuff. Their engineering is jacked. All kind of, deck is jacked. Horrible. Poor chief. He just got pulled from inshore boat unit. He really didn't know what he was doing. His deck crew was. And so the first day, you know, the MAC is like, hey, we're going to put you guys in a certain section of the chief's mess so you guys can concentrate, do your work and stuff. And I was like, nah, man, I, I ain't down with that, bro. I, I ain't down with that. And uh, no, 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 man, it's good. It's good. Bro, we set up. We're about to hit our racks. CMC walks in there. What the fuck you guys doing in here? You guys. You know, there were some other contractors, and they were mass chiefs. And stuff. Yeah, I heard you guys were never made chief, and I'm like, all right, yeah. Yeah, MAC said, get your shit, get out of here. Go to supply overflow. Just like that. So next day, I'm out and about. CO sees me. Hey, Mr. Benny, how you doing, sir? Good, you know, blah, blah, blah. How's accommodations? You sleeping okay? Yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. The other dude's like, nah. Yeah, we got kicked out of where we were. We're like. And then the chief selections that just came out. 
So we're in there with the overflow with all the new cheese selects. So they're up all night yeah. doing all kind of stuff. And they kind of resented we took their little spot. So they'd be slamming our racks and stuff. This is one CTR. I was about to lose my job over that dude because he was just so rude. Man. He just didn't care. Slamming his rag. Hey, bro, can you keep it down? I got stuff to do. All right, whatever. Have fun. And uh, told the CEO. CEO said, okay, I can't change that now. You know, I'm not going to go against my CMC and put you guys in there, but you can come up and eat the wardrobe anytime. I'm like, no, I'll be down on the mess decks, man. That's where I belong, man. Good. Eat with my deck semen, you know, hanging out. Yeah. So it was a good, but it, it was a reality check that, you know, it's like, it kind of made me feel like, well, if you eat six and below, you ain't shit. Yeah. And in the afterlife, you still ain't shit. Yeah, and that's <laughs> fucked up, right? You know, I, I, I mean, I got, I, got, I got friends that have retired first classes. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like, you know, and I try to tell people too, like, yeah, I'm blessed enough that I I, I was selected to chief, right? Yeah. And, and cool. You know, I'm with it, do my job, whatever. But it's like, not everyone is that fortunate. Mm-hmm. You still need awesome first classes to go do awesome first class things. We're a crew. Right. Like, it, it is like, that just didn't happen for you. That doesn't mean you're any less. And, and you know, the way I treat it, um, you know, being at LCS now and, and always there's people coming on board and, and we had one person that came on and he, he, he owed some money. Right. And he was like, I didn't eat. And there's a whole chain of emails and a lot of back and forth. It was, it was a mess. And he's like, I was on board getting your, your ship underway. I did not eat. I was down in main spaces all fucking day. Right. He owed $15 and 35 cents. He's like, I'm not paying it until his bosses told him like, you're fucking paying it. Go pay it. So all this mess, right, comes on board. I wasn't on board yet, though, when this happened. Comes on board. He talks to me. He's like, hey, I'm fucking, you know, Bob, and this is what's going on. It's like, yeah, I saw some emails. Um, come with me. We'll get it figured out. And, you know, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, th- I'm this, you know, I'm this person. And I'm like, cool, bro. Like, Cool story, bro. Like, I, I don't really care, but I recognize that you're important, quote, unquote, right? But me, again, like what you said, like building bridges, right? I'm like, look, bro, if you're ever on this ship again, okay, and you have an issue with getting food or not getting food, you talk to me. Mm-hmm. All right? You look for me if I'm on here, and I'll resolve all of it. Right. You know what I mean? Because I don't care who you are, right? If you're contractor GS, if you're coming to visit the ship and you need any kind of hotel services, if you need food, if you need any of that, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. I would never be like, hey, sorry, uh, you're not a fucking retired chief. Get out of the fucking CPO. I, I put people up where they get put up and make sure they're accommodated. Be, be, because, like, it's just like you come to the house, right? Like, the, the ship, while, while we're underway, is is the house. So you a guest. So, like, for people to treat yeah, people yeah. like that, it's like, man, like, what? What kind of what kind of human are you? Well, one thing that I, I learned, like, you know, from working with other services and stuff like that. We're the only service that segregates like that. Yeah. We're the only service that does that. And it serves a purpose mm-hmm. because the people that got it that way don't want to change it. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what it is. Yeah. So you see how the Marines work. Once you become E6, you're a staff NCO. Yeah. In a, I remember a Westpac, my first Westpac, the staff sergeants, they were like, why can't we go into Chiefs Mess? You know, we have a club, you know, E7, E6 and above. And like it's a totally different thing, you know. So like I remember years ago they tried to do a case study and they were like, you know, we're gonna they were and then oh, hell, you know, the old goats is like, no, nah, that ain't gonna happen, you know. And I don't think it should, but it's just years ago it was more or less like crew oriented. 
And then it, I saw, based on my experience, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be true. Yeah. I saw where it became more or less like us versus them. You know, when the whole, when everybody started getting cool and buying Harleys and doing Harley runs and all that stuff, I used to be like, you know, oh, Chief ain't going to be here Friday. They're all going on a Harley run, which is cool because it builds the camaraderie and the brotherhood. But you already got that. You already sleep together. You, you already, already have it, yeah. Um, and I remember one time I was on a ship and, like, a couple, like, non-chiefs wanted to go on the motorcycle ride, and they were told no. That's why. And I was like, Harley, you know, you're just out riding bikes. You know, I can understand, okay, you're going to do it. But when it turns into, like, a more of a special event, and, you know, and then your people start messing up, you know, but that's not the Navy I grew up in. I grew up in the Navy where the chief was just seen and heard, and, and that's it. It was like smoke and mirrors. Yeah. He's like, uh-oh, here comes. You know, he come out on deck, sun burning and stuff. And, and, and probably back then, I always tell people, like, my first chief, Chief Brown, like, I, they're like, oh, you know, because I interact with all the sailors, mm-hmm. right? And, and a lot of chiefs do nowadays because that's just how it is. I tell them, I was like, y'all realize, like, when, when I was young buck, when I saw my chief, it was when I was picking up his trash at the end of the day. And they're like, you just have to take out your chief's trash? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Like, I, I'd i be up there and be like, you know, hey, chief, I'm here to take out your trash. Hey, Devo. I'm, and I, I grab the trash and I'm like, oh, is there anything else you guys need? Yeah. Nope. We're good. And like, no word spoken. Not, hey, how's it going? How's your day? How's the family? It was like, yeah, it's full. How's your life? You know, none of that. Yeah. And, and so then... And now, like, there's a lot more interaction. That's good. But, I but, like you said, like, there is that segregation, but it is there for a reason. It's a funny story. Yeah. There is, um, yeah, I was asked last week. I, I posted it up, right? If you you be seeing some of the dumb yeah. shit I be posting about the uh the the officer who asked uh if their acting LCPO who is the first class could come into the mess for the mess meetings, and I'm just like, bro, like, I was like, you've not been trained well. Like you've missed something. Like your your other chiefs did not do the justice that they were supposed to do for you, there, lieutenant. Right to yeah. to put you yeah. on. You made it to lieutenant. You don't know the game, right? You know, and, and like, and it's just like, no, they can't because we're not just talking about work. We're talking about other things, and then there's other things happening there that shouldn't be seen by the juniors that would make them not trust us. Not that we're doing illegal or wrong it. things. It, it's it's it, it's like you you. You don't want your kids seeing mommy exactly. and daddy argue, right? That's why mommy and daddy go in the closet. I know, I know you know, yeah, I know. I know cats go at it in there because I remember, um, you know, things like that. Seeing that as a mess cook, I seen dudes yeah. like straight knuckle up, like yeah. But there used to be a sign in there. I don't know if those exist because of you know, but there used to be a sign that says what's what says here, seen here, done here, stays in here when yeah. you leave here, you know, and that's it, and that's what it said at the door. And they knew that nobody ever talked about, you know, over the years later on, I saw like, oh, you know, like being an NC sharing an office with a senior chief or a mass chief. Yeah. They're going to tell you a few things, but they trust you. You have that rapport that you're not going to go blabbling to the crew. Right. So I knew that and I did that. And uh, um, so, you know, th- that's how it was. It was cool. You know, everything worked out good and everything like that. I always had the utmost trust. And I, some of my friends to the day, man, like, you know, my first, um, he was a first class teammate chief. And we saw the transition. We saw him change, but he deserved. I mean, that dude had busted his butt for years, made chief at like twelve, and uh, he wanted to become a senior chief. He's still one of my best friends to the day, man. You know, I run into him and I see him, Mike, what's up? You know, and it's like other people be like, 
because he was on the Juno. That was his last year. I was like, man, Saint Board, he was asshole. He was tough. I'm like, man, you just don't know what that man would do for you though if he liked you, right? Because he, you know, back in the day we, before we had computers in office, you know, we used to do the PMS and the call boards. Mm-hmm. And since I was like the assistant LPO on my first ship at the BM two, he used to be like, you gonna earn that cap. So he used to make me take everything home. So I'd be if I didn't finish it at work because I was doing other stuff, I'd I'd be having the PQS, uh, the three M boards at home. I'd be having the assignment, everything. I was like, you know, and I'd be doing, and my wife would be like, oh my god, but I I didn't have to stand watches. Other BM twos had to stand watches underway. I didn't. I was off the watch bill. I was in my rack every night. So he'd be like, you can pull a twenty one hundred. A twenty two hundred. You could work to midnight. Yeah, you don't stand watches. Yeah, and at that time I was young. I was twenty one. I didn't know. You know, I was. I thought he was just being a jerk to me, but I realized it later. So I'd always tell people, like younger people, oh, you better suck it up, man. We're underway. Yo, that, that's that's one hundred because there's there's that shit. It still happens today, but like in the opposite manner where, oh well, you know, I'm the first class. I'm the LPO or whatever. Um, I, I'm not gonna put myself on these watch bills. But then, oh by the way, also. I, I don't want to do this I'm because, because I'm the LPO. Nah. You know what I mean? And I always looked at it as like, well, no, like you're being given the opportunity to perform, right? Especially as a chief, right? Um, or perform as an LPO to be ready for chief. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that means like, okay, yeah, you might not be on the watch bill, but that also means are, are you up till 2200 exactly. closing out the day and preparing for tomorrow and to make sure to make sure that you're ahead of the chief. Because if I'm walking, if I, I get, I can usually get to the ship like five forty-five, right? Five thirty to five thirty-six, and I'm already, you know, I do my thing, get ready, right? This week, my my sailor Ellis, he's a listener, it's so funny. He had uh he had the two to seven, so I came on board, and I'm always getting ship because you know junior sailor, he always shows up right at seven, right? And I'm like, come on, man, you gotta get here earlier. Got I'm always razzing him, right? I'm on him, right? So I walk on board. He goes, uh, he's like, good to see you, chief. He's like, uh, you know, by the time you show up. He's been up on watch. He had duty, you know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, he's he been on. Yeah, he's like, he's like, what time you wake up? I was like, I just woke up at four. He goes, I've been up since one. I was like, oh, finally you, you beat me. Because <laughs> you had to. Right, but it's like that. that's the rapport I built with him and everything. And and he comes out. He's like, I got work list. I was like, oh, yeah, let's see this work list. And, you know, he had his little work list. I was like, damn, it took you five hours on watch to come up with it, like your six things. I hope nothing happened on watch. Like you were doing work. <laughs> You know, but I mean, it's good time. Uh, we got we got a question here in the chat. It says, uh, it's, "It was one of my boys' chat." Josh, I got to ask you a few episodes ago, what happens in the mess stays in the mess was taboo. Now it's all good. No, uh, Chad, um, <laughs> it's still taboo. I still think that again, Chad. So if you listen, you might have to go re-listen up my count. Right? Um, I don't think it's a good saying to say what happens in the mess stays in the mess because that that one Benny I was talking about. It, it sounds like. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And again, to me, it gives a negative connotation. I do think a lot of times we take things out of the mess and we share it with our LPOs as like training. Hey, this is, these are things that, you know, like these are things that happen. These are things that were discussed, but there are some conversations that happen in there that don't be brought out. Right. And usually for me, those are things that are more personal and like, not just, you know, chief work related, but like Josh to, you know, Sammy or whatever. You know what I mean? Does that answer your question, Chad? Go ahead, Benny. Or when you guys are figuring out who's going to rank where. Yeah. When you guys are doing rank breakouts. Yep, yep. Like the first classes. That's important. Yeah. That's the, one of the most important decisions to me the Chiefs mess makes. Because whatever comes out of there usually stays consistent. Like the top ten first classes. Yeah. Get the EPs. You know, because 
being number one through five is pretty important on your chief selection. You know, if you're going to get selective, you make board, right? And uh, that's pretty important because, you know, a lot of people's lives are dependent on it. And they feel that they've performed and stuff like that. But then, from what I understand and was told over the years, there's a lot of politics involved in that. Yeah. You know, because there's like the, the – we used to have this one on the Pinckney. He was a pretty – he was the most senior E7 on board. You know, I'm not being – you know, but he was the most – So yeah, he used to make it, yeah. the decisions. He used to run the show. It was his mess. You know, there were senior chiefs, but senior chiefs stay – you know, she stayed out of everything. She's like, hey, whatever. I'm the 3MC. And the CMC had no, you know, he had no word. But, yeah, so he kind of bullied the other chiefs, you know, and, like, this was going to go down. All right, I'm going to give your guys such and such, but my two guys got to be here. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it was a chess game. So those are things that can't come out. Yeah. Because it would be detrimental to the crew. Right. Because then they do get out sometimes because some dudes run their mouth. Mm-hmm. And it, it would start some stuff. You know, it, like some fighting, like straight up, like, how that POS get ranked above me? All he does is run the tech library, you know. So it's like little things like that. So I, you, you, you don't want to know what the see what the triad talks about any more than you don't want to know what the department heads talk about. You know what I'm saying? Everything has its on a ship is totally different. That's why we're like. We're that's like, why that's part of the segregation. The and, ship is a different, and and I always had two speeds. You got your shore duty speed, and you got your underway speed. Mm-hmm. And kids got to know they got to learn that early. Once we pull them lines and we're underway. It's a different world. Mm-hmm. If we're local San Diego, ain't no holiday Rudy Tootie on Sunday. We're working seven days a week. You know, things like that. And as an NC, I had that built into me. So I'd be up at night down with the engineers in the engine room. Hey, what's up, man? You know, what you trying to do? What you trying to, you know, where you trying to be? What are your goals? You trying to become this? You trying to do? I just want to get out. All right, when we get back in, let's do a CDB with your, with your wife. Mm. You know, you start breaking down the everything to the wife, how much money they're going to be out of. And, you know, and I know nowadays, <laughs> so like I said, I retired in 2010. <laughs> That's 12 years ago. That's a whole lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, some of my guys are retiring now. Yeah. Guys that joined in like the 2000s. Like mm-hmm. I just saw some of my boys recently retire. You know, they joined in like 04, you know, or they're getting out or whatever. And it's just amazing to me. It's just like how the cycle, you know, the Navy, the Navy's going to be the Navy mm-hmm. and the Navy's going to be the Navy after you leave. Yep. There's gonna be there's some kid right now training to be you. Mm-hmm. There's a little baby Josh somewhere in boot camp, or there's a, a third class baby Josh. Yep. Uh, he's probably got his mustache that you threw away. Yep. Yep. Used probably. Nice, you used to have a nice little mustache yeah. back yeah. in the day. Um, but you know, it's like that's the worst thing that you can do is think that you're like you're the like especially like the worst ones are the ages have seats. Mm. You know, have you ever been on the DDG? Yeah, yeah, DDG? I have. So uh, they think, oh, they're real special, Bruh. When was the last time we shot a missile and hit something back up? You know, <laughs> so it's like you know, it's like I always get a lot of respect for the people that, that hit the grind. You know, you got the stores on the pier, boatsmen you got to paint the ship, engineers they're working late, especially if you're on a steamship. Mm-hmm. The boys are working harder, you know. But it's just the the navy is a cog, you know, and if something gets in there, there's a chink in the cog, um, it's gonna mess everything up. The navy works well the way it works. We all have our bitches and gripes. Everybody complains and cries because it didn't go my way. But, you know, I, I felt like after my 22, when I re- when I drove off 2010, it was a different from when I drove off in 97. When I was done in 2000, I was done. I was like that old James Ingram song. I did my best. You know, that's it. You felt you felt I fulfilled. Felt accomplished. I felt accomplished. Fulfilled, yeah. I did what I did. You know, I was like, you know, I stood up at LCS command when I got my NAM. You know, when I, when I, I didn't want to know war. I didn't want to you know nothing like that. 
wife's kind of bitter. You know, she's like, excuse me. They, they loved you so much that they gave you Yankers. I was like, okay. You know, seven times up. <laughs> Didn't make it. Oh, well. I was like, okay. You know, that's why I wanted it for my family. Because my wife yeah. been there with me since I was E1 twice. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, it's all good, baby. We're going to be all right. Good. You know, yeah, I know so. a lot of I know a lot of dudes that's broke. Yeah. And they eat nines, you know, because they didn't manage their money right and they ain't doing the right thing. Or they're letting that go to their head or they got a bunch of side babies. But I think at the end of the day, man, it, it's never going to get old. You know, you got to respect your leadership. And, and now that you guys have more of a two, it's been like that for the last 25 years. The Navy's a much more professional organization. You got a two-way flow. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get command input. And, and you got to respect your kids because you never know that kid right there is holding the key, you know, to the future, you know. You you what you put into him is gonna come out. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of regret for some of their old chain of commands. And there's a lot of people like there's there's dudes that I'd run through a wall for. Like I saw a guy today, uh is it um GMC is it FC was he FC Abron. He's Charlie Abron. He's over at LCS. He just came off Montgomery, I think. Okay. But I was over there at the at the next with my son. We were having a bike. And I always run into somebody there. And sure enough, you know. And I remember I re-enlisted him back when he was his first term Damn. in 08. You know, he was a second class. And then, you know, other dudes I've seen, you know, had the one guy who made chief when he got there. And then I saw him last time he was here. His son is in the Navy. I remember he was a little dude. He's a mass chief. Who's that? Uh, Doss, Charles Doss. Okay, he, he's a, a AG. Okay. So he's in Florida. He, he okay. left the LCS community and never came back. Okay. But there's so many, you know, like yeah. I remember seeing the NC. The, now a lot of the LCS, like civilians, are guys that I serve with. Mm-hmm. Dang. It, it's gonna keep going, no yeah. matter what. It, it's gonna keep going. Uh, like, like you said, it, it is a machine that is unstoppable. You know, it, really, unless we stop it ourselves. You know, but uh, I, we going we pushing on two hours now. We're gonna wrap up there, Benny. Um, you know, I'd love to have you come on again because I, I mean, like hearing your story is cool. We'll some sea stories next. Yeah, time. <laughs> next time we have to get into some more sea stories, some and then. You know, there's other things I want to kind of touch on, uh, you know, that we just ain't got the time for tonight, you know, getting into like some of the, the more of the comparisons, right? Like uh, a lot of people call it the woke military nowadays, right? Versus the, I guess, asleep military and just like things that you, again, like from your, your first 10 to your back 10, you know, just getting into all that, you oh, know. You, you, you want to talk about what used to be the Navy, the new, you know, how the Navy is now to where. I was in before Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Zero tolerance for yeah. homosexual things. But you'd see shipmates getting raped on a ship by other men. That's another story. We're going to talk about that hey. next time. I got three instances on my first ship Ew. that's going to blow your mind where dudes woke up and somebody was doing a salami struggle on them. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> don't drink. Don't, don't do too much of this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then there's other other stories, you know, some of the. But anyway, yeah, man, I appreciate you bringing me on, brother. It was a great time. I'd love to come back again and we can get into some of the good stuff. Yeah, for sure, brother. I appreciate it again. Uh, th- thanks so much for stopping in. Um, yeah, man, like I said, I- I'd love to have you on again and, uh, you know, talk more sea stories and more, like, again, some of those things that's just like, you know, that di- that was something that existed that no longer exists and just kind of how you guys dealt with it back then. Uh, Chad, Tanya, thanks for stopping in on the chat. Appreciate y'all. Um, hey, you know, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget hit the like button, give me the finger, and uh, you know, turn on notifications. We go live every now and then when I when I got time and a day off, and you know, things are going good over here. Uh, other than that, mm, let me see. Well, this is posted up on YouTube. It'll be on uh, everywhere you stream your podcast tomorrow morning. And don't forget, 
For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit us at anchor.fm backslash Bravo podcast. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of myself, Joshua Moore, and the individuals involved and do not necessarily re- represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us. 